guys, you're listening to Millennials at the Movies. I'm Amy. And I'm Novi, and this is our fourth bonus episode in the series. Our movie today is Terminator Salvation. According to Google Movies, although Judgment Day has in fact occurred, the future for which John Connor was prepared has been partly altered by the appearance of a stranger named Marcus Wright. Connor must determine if Wright has been rescued from the past or sent from the future. As the machines prepare for a final battle, Connor and Wright delve deep into Skynet's heart, uncovering a secret that could lead to the annihilation of mankind. It's streaming on Netflix. On Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it a 33 and the audience a 54. Wow. Those are really, really low ratings. Even lower than Terminator 3, so I don't know what we're in for. Yeah, interesting. All right. Um, this movie... Okay, so after watching 3, I went into this movie going... This is going to be the shittiest movie I've ever watched. Cool. <laughs> Let's go. I'm ready, you know? So my expectations were so low going into it. Um, and I will start by saying that we are introduced to some really, really interesting characters, some of whom we've seen in the past but are slightly different, and then some of them who are new. Um and some of them are great, and some of them not so much. <laughs> um, I Okay, so I know they all start, like, so far, these four movies have all started kind of similarly um, to one another, where, like, there's fight fights happening, there's, like, end-of-the-world fights, big wars, that kind of shit happening. I'm going to start immediately by saying I hate war movies, and I felt like this was the worriest war movie of all of them so far. Well, and what's interesting about this one is that we spend almost the entire movie in the war against the machines. Mm -hmm. Because in the other Terminators, we've seen little bits and pieces of it, or we've heard about it, but it's mostly been in our time or times close to ours mm -hmm. before Judgment Day. This is after Judgment Day, the war is on, but John is not the leader of the resistance yet. Yeah. He answers to higher ups and none of them seem to give a flying fuck that he's John Connor. <laughs> I was really confused by that. I feel like I'm going to just start every, all the, well, okay, the little other two episodes for this series. I'm just going to start with, I was really confused because I, I just keep getting more and more confused about time as well, I'm watching these movies. We know John Connor as the Jesus Christ of this franchise. Right. At the end of three, he and Kate were locked in a bomb shelter, and all of the other military people who were in other bomb shelters were calling in, asking what's going on, who's in this shelter. So all of those people that survived that were military people aren't going to give a crap <laughs> that a military man's daughter and some like drug addict with no birth certificate are in this shelter. They're not going to be like, oh, what do you think we should do? They'd be like, oh, that's nice. You're alive. You work for me. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, I just felt like it felt so big, the movie did, that it was this, like, it almost felt like the closing because it was in the future and all that kind of stuff. Um, it just, I felt like if it's that far into it and, you know, we're, we're at this war against the machines, then he has to be the one in charge and he clearly isn't and I think that still kind of threw me off and I'm not I, sure how I felt about it <laughs> I kind of loved it because hmm. it gave the story somewhere to go 
Right. It gave him somewhere to ascend to in the story. Whereas if he was already John Connor, leader of the resistance, there would not have been such a, he wouldn't have had a real side story to do because a lot of his story in this movie was him butting heads with the higher ups and juxtaposing the fact that he still had that conscience for people and wanting to save them. Mm-hmm. And the military men were, are looking at this as a war and saying, well, yeah, there's such a thing in war as cannon fodder. There are expendable people in this war against these machines to win. Right. And that was what always set John apart from everyone else is that he thought people were not expendable. Right. And getting to see him actually have to fight for that was inspiring, way more inspiring than watching him whine and mope all the time. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I agree. I will say, okay, I uh, I don't have a problem with Christian Bale as an actor. I really don't. He was Batman at some point, right? Probably. Yeah, and like, cool, you're Batman. Awesome. Can you go be Batman over there? Because he was the, in my opinion, uh, one through four, the worst John Connor. I don't think he did a particularly bad job. Okay, first of all, I cannot take anybody seriously when they always talk like this. It's always like this. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll look over, like look past that. That's just a personal preference. But also, I just didn't feel the John Connor-like attitude, I guess, from him. Maybe little bits of it here and there, but I just felt like they lost what I loved so much about John in the past. And I think they lost it a little bit in three, but they especially lost it in four. Well, I think that uh, two through four, the progression of John Connor was actually great from being this shitty 11 year old kid to being a man afraid of judgment day to being a man who has accepted his fate and is just trying to do the thing that he was prophesized to do. I yeah. liked that he was mature. I liked that he was really trying to save people and that he was frustrated that these people didn't believe that he could see the future or the past or whatever this time travel. (laughs) Don't get me started. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's maybe because I like, I saw who, I don't even remember the actor's name. I'm sure I looked it up at some point, but John Connor in three, was John Connor in my mind, like as somebody about this age, you know, and then seeing Christian Bale do it. And I think I also have this like thing towards the really famous people playing big roles, like main characters, you know, in a movie that's already been established without them. And then suddenly they're in it. And I just, I always feel like that's like them selling out going, let's just get a really big hotshot name because otherwise people might not watch this movie because it's the fourth in the series, you know? Um, And again, I'm not even saying like Christian Bale isn't a good actor. I just didn't like him for this role. And I don't know why. I just, the whole way through, I didn't like it. I had almost no problem with it, except for the one or two times that it got a little bit cheesy. the voice i'm telling you it's the voice it's the like he he can just do the batman voice that was basically all i heard the whole time was like oh my gosh don't be batman you're not batman right now 
<laughs> Whereas I have not seen any Batman except for the one with Uma Thurman. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I have no reference to him as Batman, and I was perfectly happy with it. Well, then um, I know what our next movie series will be. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Someday, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, getting back to John Connor and um, company. Um, I want to get to Marcus because we really start the movie with him. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he starts out hard with my favorite quote in the whole movie. Hmm. What is it? Now... We've just found out that he's on death row for a shootout while stealing a car that killed two cops and his own brother. And a woman with cancer is asking him to donate his body to science after he's put to death to preferably advance scientific research into a cure for cancer. Mm. And he says he'll do it in exchange for a kiss. And after he kisses her, he says, so that's what, what death tastes like. Oh, it was so, so hard to watch that scene, but I remember it well. (laughs) It's such a punch, and it tells you everything you're supposed to know about who Marcus is at that time. Yeah. Immediately. Yep. Like, it's such a shitty thing to say, but it hits so good. Yeah, and he's, like, done some awful shit, right? I don't know if we know the full extent of what he's done. And why he's on death row? Do we know everything? Uh, no, right? Yes, we don't I know just details. told you he Wait, and his is, brother were stealing a car. And is that all, though? <laughs> two cops and his brother got killed in the crossfire of this car stealing. He murdered I, three people and stole a car. And I, I still felt, knowing that, and I know you just said that, too, but for some reason in my head, it was like, okay, he did worse than that. There's other shit we don't know. He's done some other shit before this, and then this was, like, the final thing. As far as I know, it's not. Okay, then I just made that up in my head, maybe, and I just, like, I didn't think we actually knew. I just thought there was more that we don't get told that just shows that he's, like, this, you know, tough guy who's done some shit. Um, There was more that we didn't get told than it didn't exist because I don't know if you understand how movies work, (laughs) but if it's not in the fucking movie, it didn't happen. No, no. I meant that like he like referred back to something that had something else that he had done without talking about what else he had done. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, that never happened. Okay. Then that part I made up in my head. So never mind. But still, um, he, was not somebody you're supposed to like because he's supposed to, you know, not be a good person. And then him doing that and asking for a kiss from a dying woman, I was like, no, though. And then he says that line and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, like that feels so gross and creepy. And I was intrigued and I wanted to know what the fuck with this guy later when he shows back up. (laughs) Yeah, and you got to later when he showed back up. And it was a big confusion because supposedly he was dead and supposedly it was years into the future and he still looked exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So it was intriguing already to see him show back up. It was. And his confusion with what the hell just happened to him was great. And it matched like what you were supposed to be feeling as, you know, the audience watching him. Yes. And I think they set it up very well. Because if you didn't know what the big reveal is, 
Mm-hmm. It was not entirely obvious, but looking back, you see the breadcrumbs and exactly where they're leading you. Mm. And it just scene after scene, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense that he turned the radio on. Right. It makes sense that he was there. It makes sense he's asking so many questions. Mm. It makes sense that he knows how to fix these machines with so little effort. But at the time, there were ways that you can explain it away, especially because he is helpful to the humans he meets. Mm. And I want to talk about, obviously, a couple of them, one more than the other one, of those humans that he meets. Um, Because early on, right, we see him meet Blair, right? Is that the first interaction we see him have? No, he meets Kyle and Star first. Kyle and Star first. Okay, and I'm I'm still going to save that conversation for later because I think that's more of an ongoing conversation, um, like his interaction with Kyle and Star, than with Blair. Because I... Feel like, and I, I, I have this strong feeling. You and I are going to disagree about this, so I'm ready for the, uh, for the argument for which I have nothing to, to like really back it up. But we meet Blair, and she is kind of everything I wanted out of a female character because she is a badass, but she also has emotions, and I love that. I love that they were able to do that with a female character. Give her feelings, have her care, but also be able to take care of herself and you. Um, and I loved seeing that. Okay, I, I'm waiting for the butt because I fucking love Blair. I know you did. I know. <laughs> and you're going to... here's Okay, it's, it's a very, very tricky butt. I still love Blair. I just had a moment, though, because... Okay, here's the thing. She trusted Marcus based on kind of nothing. She took Marcus back to where they all were, to John, right? Yes. Without really knowing anything. And her whole thing was how much she believes in John and how John can help and John this and John's great and blah, 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 which makes sense. And then she brings him there and then helps him escape, all still while not really knowing who or what the fuck Marcus is. And I feel like if you do that, like on one hand, because we we know what ends up happening with Marcus and that he isn't like this big bad guy, we can love her still. However, in that moment, I was just like, these are your people and you brought this guy in and now you let him escape. He could have fucking killed John. He could have fucking killed all of you. And for that, I didn't like her. I didn't like that she didn't it's like she put everybody at risk including herself to rescue this guy and here's the reason why I especially disliked it because they tried to tell me that these two people were like in love with each other essentially and I fucking hate that because they were not they knew each other for like five fucking minutes and they cared about each other and they wanted each other to survive and all of that However, they were like, look, she's in love with him and he, she's going to save him and let him go and blah, 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 all that stuff at risk, at the risk of like all of her people that she's been trusting this whole time. I have a few things to say about that. Okay. First off, if you look at Kyle and Sarah and look at Kate and John, mm-hmm. this is the most well-developed couple <laughs> in the entire Terminator franchise. I... Maybe I'm not remembering much, but I don't feel that way about them. 
I don't, don't think, they think were it was greatly developed. I think it was more developed than any other we've seen in the franchise thus far. Okay. I would and say they're pretty equal, maybe, but okay, I get you. <laughs> at the very least, I believed their chemistry. I believe they wanted to bone, but then I also believe that Sarah wanted to bone Kyle. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, it's at least better than three. Can we admit it's better than three? Everything is better than three. Everything in the world is better than three. Oh, we will get there. <laughs> now, I think that the heart that Blair had was actually, I mean, you hated it. I think it was kind of indicative of the kind of character that we are supposed to root for in these Terminator films. Hmm. Because, yes, she doesn't really know Marcus as well. And I guess it would have been smarter to not help him to begin with. But we are flat out told from the beginning that John's issue with the higher ups is that they find people expendable and he doesn't. It would make perfect sense that his team also does not. Right. And when he ends up, when they find out that he is a robot, Mm. she still believes in this person that has saved her life, that she's gotten to know even through this short amount of time. Mm. And I think that's the pivotal question in this movie. It does not have like a big, bad, one solo singular monster coming at you like a boogeyman. Mm. The Terminator in this movie is the question of at what point do you become a machine and at what point are you still a man? Right. Does having the heart of a man and the conscience of a man and the brain of a man make you a man if you have a metal skeleton and can't die? Right. And I like that they explored it the way they did with so many different characters because her reaction on its own might seem a little odd, but you have to put that against John's reaction and against the uh, Lieutenant Barnes' reaction yeah. and against Marcus's own reaction to himself. And right. in that context, I like it. And I think that exploring the full range makes so much sense in this movie. I think maybe it would have worked better if we had seen more of Blair. We kind of don't see her again for a while, and then we briefly see her again, and then we don't see her again. Yeah, Uh, I really wish she would have stuck around in this movie and in this franchise longer. I mean, she's so smart, and she's so capable. And I want to believe that what she did wasn't just stupid girl, my vagina wants you, so I'm just being stupid. And even though I'm a smart, tough girl, I'm like just going to listen to my vagina. But that's what it came across as to me. Okay, is because that what it came across built. as when mm-hmm. John let uh, him go, Marcus go, when they agreed that they were going to help each other and he let him go? Did it come across as I just want to fuck him? No, it came across as I will do anything to save Kyle Reese and this is my only possible option right now and I don't feel that her reaction was just based on sex I just I feel like they didn't give me any reason to not believe it I don't know this character I don't know enough about her I know that she's tough I know that she's capable I know that she's smart and that's kind of all I got to know and then suddenly she was like I'm going to release you for no real reason and 
And then they had like this emotional moment, which is not a her thing. It's a it's the movies, all of them. This entire series does that, where it's like, here's a vagina and here's a penis. Clearly, they're in love, you know. So that wasn't just a her thing. I just hate that the movies do that pretty much every time. Um, I had no reason to root for their relationship. I had no reason to believe that she did this for any other reason. Not necessarily like no other reason besides I want to have sex with you, but no other reason than I'm just being stupid right now, not really thinking things through. I don't think John was smart in doing it either. I just think he was desperate. Her reason was that she believed in him and she could not condone the killing of someone that she considered to be human. And... I, that's all the reason I need, because they said they were going to disassemble him, which would have killed him. Right, yeah. And the option was, I believe this person is innocent, I believe he is a human, and these people are going to murder him if I don't get him out. Yeah. That's all the motivation I needed. It's an action movie. (laughs) Yeah, I just feel like there wasn't build-up to, like, I feel like if they gave us more between them before they got to that point... Or at least more backstory to her or something like that, then it would have worked better. Like, I get what they're going for. And in the end, I don't blame her because I know how it turned out. But I also, in that moment, I just thought it was such a, like, I don't know. It was a, it was a dumb mistake. Not mistake, because it didn't end up being a mistake, but dumb decision, I guess. But and anyway. I fully support the decision, so we're not going to agree well, on it. I think I think the difference too is that you really love her and you see and this is just how everybody sees characters in any movie obviously the difference the different ways that we see people but like you really love her and everything about her and I'm like I love that she's a badass and I love that she can take care of herself and all that shit but I don't really like love her because she didn't feel three-dimensional I didn't know shit else about her well and I've said that my favorite characters in these Terminator movies are the ones that manage to really put humanity first mm-hmm. instead of just the goal of we win mm-hmm. and, and in this movie I think she did that and I think John had a significantly harder time accepting what that would mean in this situation yeah and that was really interesting too yeah I think this movie felt so different from the other movies because because I guess of the whole, like, it's in the uh, different time periods in the future. We're fighting against the robots. It's all all at war, you know? Um, I read online somewhere, too, somebody said that it was, like, the least funny. Like, it was missing humor in it, which I kind of disagree with. It was a little bit of, like, staler humor or, like, darker humor, maybe. But I thought Marcus was pretty funny through the entire movie. So did um, I. But I think Kyle's sense of humor was so perfect for what they're saying his character is in this movie yeah I in general love Kyle in this movie so much he's probably my favorite character I I I was between him and Marcus but I think I like Kyle best and if we had seen more of Star if she wasn't such a little kid and we're going to come back to her later um if we got more of her she would probably win um but Kyle Kyle was great in this I loved how tough he was and how well-skilled he was, but he was never skilled enough to become just, like, generic action boy. Yeah. And his sense of humor is just so not funny, but funny. 
at one point he says that two day coyote is great because it's better than three day coyote. That's my favorite quote. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> that's okay. I, I was about to interrupt you to say I think you're gonna steal my quote. Hold on. But I was like, that's fine, doesn't matter which one of us says it. It is the best thing because in all of the shit that's happening, I love having a character who will say things like that that aren't like haha this is the funniest thing I've ever heard but just kind of add a tiny bit of humor to an otherwise really dark movie yeah and Marcus was really my favorite but Mm. the dynamic between the two of them was the best part of this movie absolutely 100% agreed they're And it's weird because, see, they both kind of trust each other, too, because they have no other choice um, from the beginning. But, like, they build that. They continue with that. We get to see them relying on each other and and being there for each other. And that's kind of what I guess what I'm talking about, what I wanted to see more of. I don't understand why they would have put somebody as badass as Blair into the movie and then not put her in the rest of the movie. That pissed me off. I thought she was going to be in the movie. I thought she was going to be like the main chick that returns, you know, and then she wasn't. And it, it maybe that's what upset me more than her decision. It was just that I never got to know her. You know what I mean? It wasn't really her movie, but she also got shot. So what was she going to do? That's true. <laughs> now, I kind of saw the dynamic between Kyle and Marcus differently because their partnership was so reluctant and so combative where neither of them wanted to listen to the other one and they were working together a little bit but they had no respect for each other whatsoever at first right yeah like they would help each other marcus fixed kyle's gun which is a great callback to the first movie Because in the first movie, Kyle has that arm strap on his gun. And it was such a subtle detail that Marcus put it there. I love that. Yeah. But the way that they were together outside of things like that. It's like, oh, I'll help you get to the resistance. I'll help you get to L.A. Mm. I hate you. Take off that fucking jacket. You didn't (laughs) earn it. And then he just throws Kyle out of the car. (laughs) Yeah, and but that's that's the thing though is like they didn't immediately just go okay, like you're my person, I'm gonna take care of you no matter what, I trust you, blah blah blah. It was like it it built to that, and even I think the whole way through they were still, they still had that you know humorous like I hate you thing happening, but they they grew to really trust each other, and before that them like backing each other up wasn't I trust you, it was more like this is what we're fucking doing right now. And like, I'm not going to let you go and get killed. You're going to die if you just leave. And I'm not going to let that, let that happen to you. Also, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. But they spent enough time on it and really mm-hmm. developed it enough that when Kyle got taken by the Terminator jail, basically. Yeah. Oh, I felt so stupid just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> yeah. Um, when he got taken, it felt earned that Marcus was that desperate to save him. Yeah. Like, it felt like 100% I believed he was doing that. I believed he was trying to claw that thing off with his bare hands. Mm-hmm. And it felt like they really developed that enough to make it seem like, yeah, okay, he would do that. Even though they were just arguing t- 10 minutes ago, I believe this. Yep. 
Yeah, it's just their their personalities, I think, were that way. So they were going to argue forever. Like, no matter what situation you put them in, take them out of the Terminator world and put them these two characters in any other situation, and they're always going to argue. That's just what they're going to do. But that doesn't mean they're not going to, you know, kick someone's ass for each other either. True. And what's another thing that's really interesting about this movie is it is not really John's story, even though he's not the leader. It's Marcus's story and kind of Kyle's story. Yeah. John is a side character in this movie. And I think the way they use him works really well. And he doesn't have to be the lead plot in a Terminator movie for it to work, at least for me. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think there were times where I wanted him to be more involved I guess but I was so enjoying getting to know Kyle and Marcus and their whole thing and seeing them work together and all of that that it it didn't it wasn't like I sat there going no but John's not here you know like I didn't like it wasn't like it didn't make sense that he wasn't the main guy he didn't need to be well I think it worked out really well too because the side plot and the main plot works together in a way that I found interesting Mm. because John's plot is that the resistance members have found a tonal code that turns the Terminators off physically turns the machine off and they can kill it and he is running around testing this machine making sure it works trying to ask them not to to use it at the time they want to so he can save the civilians Mm. especially after kyle had been taken he's really mostly worried about saving kyle yeah and they tell him no we are not going to do that and he basically asks all of his contacts to stand down and not attack when the leaders told them to Mm. so he can save these people and not only is that where you really get to see the leader John Connor because all of these people listen to his orders and not the orders of the people above him Mm. but he was actually right and the tonal uh, thing was a trap right it was a homing signal that Skynet used to take out all of the leaders it was (laughs) a stroke of genius for that program Mm -hmm. but the way that ties into Marcus that I think they should have found a way to tell us I think John would have figured out that that was way too easy if he had had even a second to think about it Hmm. and I think that this whole plot was just to get John so worried about Kyle because if they really wanted to kill Kyle they could have just ripped his fucking head off (laughs) yeah and they put him in jail for like three days (laughs) yeah this was not to kill kyle reese and i don't know why this was to get john connor to come save kyle reese which they still could have done if they'd killed him just say no he's here he's totally here yeah (laughs) or like at least don't just throw him in a jail with other people have him somewhere separate where maybe you're slowly torturing him to death That'll make John Connor show up faster, maybe, you know, or whatever. But, like, it didn't seem like they were, like, that was their end goal. 
No, I think their end goal was to distract John so he didn't realize that they were trying to kill the entire council. Yeah. And if that was the goal, they succeeded. And if the goal was to kill John and Kyle, they failed, sort of. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's complicated. Um, Well, okay, this movie was, I think it was very... It didn't explain a lot of things, I feel like. There were a lot of things, or at least maybe, I don't know, maybe I missed them. Because there was that whole thing of, like, what the fuck were they doing? Why didn't they just kill Kyle, right? Yes. But then there's also, and I'm really, really curious if there is an explanation to this. Or if it was just something random. Because immediately when I saw um, Kate... Or I'm I don't know why, but I have her I, I have her in my mind as just Bryce Dallas Howard because that's who she is, damn it. But Kate, when she when I saw her and she and I realized she was pregnant, I was like literally my reaction to it was, is this really the time? And I thought they were going to explain it. I thought there was a reason. I thought it had something to do with the storyline. I don't know. I thought like it was important, right? That she was pregnant. But hey, making me. more humans is really important at a time when humans are dying left and right. But at the same time, A, they don't talk about it. They don't bring it up. It's like it's just it, it was like Bryce Dallas Howard was pregnant at the time, but they really, really wanted to use her anyway. So they're like, just throw it in. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Just go with it. Because it, it didn't it felt like an important thing that was never spoken about. And also in that time, honestly, if I know that, you know, we might all be dead or living like this for a longer period of time, I don't want to bring a child into the world. And I feel like if anybody would understand that, it would be John. But also maybe, you know, condoms weren't a thing that people were worried about. <laughs> I don't know. I, it was just really unnerving to me that they threw that in there and they never spoke about it. Honestly, I feel like Kate was just window dressing in this whole movie anyway. Her character did nothing, added nothing. I think they were just like, oh, you remember Terminator 3? That's still a thing. Yeah, but and did it have to be a thing, though? I don't feel like it even had to be a thing. That part of it, anyway. Also, the other thing that it she brought to the movie was how very and it wasn't even the same actress however how like not bothered she was or she seemed to be at her husband basically almost dying the reaction was so like I think she cried but then it was just like nothing well she was told in Terminator 3 that that model of machine would kill her husband. Right. So you got to imagine she was prepared. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like there should... Be, like, maybe that was just who the character was. It was just like, well, everybody's just going to die. So, okay. Maybe that's I just honestly didn't want any more out of her. So if that's... <laughs> like, at the expense of her having any emotions, no. I don't want any more. <laughs> yeah, but see, that was the thing, though, is that I didn't understand why she was there, why she was pregnant, what the point was. It's like they just threw in these random people. And honestly, at least Blair had 
something she did, right? And, like, that was cool that she, because if she wasn't there, Marcus wouldn't have been freed or whatever. But, like, it's like they threw these girls in and then they gave them nothing, almost. They gave Blair a little more than that. But still, they they didn't give them enough. And it it just pissed me off because I kept waiting for... Uh, like for Kate to be explained or something to happen where Kate does something or the pregnancy is explained and it's a big deal or something like that or for Blair to come back and then that kind of shit never happened and I was just like okay I don't get it and I think that was my one main complaint was having these things not be explained it's confusing it got my attention enough for some reason that I needed it answered and I expected it to be and then it wasn't (laughs) oh um if you're confused about how Kate became pregnant sometimes when a boy <laughs> and a girl love each other very much. No, um, Kate's <laughs> big contributions to the movie were both to kind of back John up when he needed it and to perform all of the medical treatments that needed to be performed. And I like that there was the consistency of her having been a veterinarian in the past and now becoming yeah. a doctor now that doctors are dead. Right, yeah. yeah. And that was fine. And if she was just like a character in the background that did that, that would have been fine. But I needed an answer for the pregnancy. I didn't understand why she was pregnant. Like that was a decision they made. Somebody decided Kate's going to be pregnant. Right? Like somebody decided that for this movie. Some people in the future have sex and get pregnant. Yeah, but if it's the main character's wife, girlfriend, whatever the hell it is, then I feel like it should... Like, it's fucking John Connor's baby in there. That's kind of a big deal. Well, actually, no. Sarah Connor's baby was a big deal. John Connor's baby is just a strong crotch-dropping that nobody cares about. Exactly! What the fuck? (laughs) Like, the baby isn't the prophet of shit. Yeah, also, it's possible that in, you know, the next time period that we're in, the baby won't exist. So who fucking cares, really? Also, it's possible that we'll still be in this time period, but the baby will fucking die because there's no food or vegetables or prenatal vitamins. Everyone's just eating rotten coyote. Yeah, that's fine for babies. They'll survive. (laughs) It'll be okay. Now, I liked Barnes, uh, the lieutenant in Jean's unit, as a side character. He didn't get that much screen time, but his motivations were so well laid out that I knew exactly why he was doing everything he was doing at every step. Huh. I mean, you figure the machines have completely tore up his life. Then they killed his brother. Hmm. So being faced with Marcus and the fact that he is at least half machine, like mm-hmm. he has no willingness to see this person as human. And I completely understand that. Because when he looks at this person, he's not seeing half man. He's seeing half the thing that murdered his fucking brother. Yeah. Like, a week ago. Yeah, it's understandable that you wouldn't see this person as human or care or want to trust him. Yeah, and I found him really easy to understand. And maybe not root for because I love Marcus, but (laughs) I can't say that I wouldn't be him in that situation. Yeah, I feel like even Marcus, though, because of his own reaction to what happened to him, understands people not really trusting him. Like, he wants them to, but he gets that they don't, you know? He understands the difficulty of all of this shit. Well, not only is he horrified when they show him his own chest, Mm -hmm. but he's horrified when Skynet comes to him in the end after he's helped John break in to save Kyle. 
mm-hmm. basically tells him, you think that's not what we wanted you to do? We've been using you to terminate them this whole time. He's horrified. Yeah. Because he feels that he cares about these people. And he doesn't know if that's true or if it's fake. If he's killed the only people who he's ever really cared about, at least in his current memory. Or yeah. if it's lying to him. Yeah, like, I think his whole story was so heartbreaking because he just had no idea what the fuck happened to him. And then suddenly he's thrown into this and he starts to care about these people and wants to help them and thinks he's doing the right thing. And then to have anybody tell you, like, no, we everything you did was what we wanted you to do. And you've basically killed them yourself. That I can't imagine. Like, that's got to be tough. And that's an understatement. <laughs> The problem with that, though, Mm. is he had plenty of times that he could have just killed them, Mm. but he didn't. So I don't know if this was an actual true statement that he gave Mm. or if the machine was just trying to convince him that he was an evil person so that it could use him now. Yeah. Because he could have ripped Kyle's head off at any point that he wanted to. Yeah, he could have drowned John in the water. Yeah. And he didn't. And then the machine says it was your job to capture them. It was your programming to get them captured and infiltrate. It's like, yeah, but infiltrate really isn't that useful without terminate. And he could have killed both of them, but he didn't. Yeah. Which goes back to the question, why did they not just kill Kyle Reese? (laughs) I feel like that's the big question for this movie, although you kind of explained it. I'm having serious uh, Scott Evil Austin Powers flashbacks. Like, why not just go back in time and kill him when he's sitting on the crapper? We can do it together. (laughs) It'll be fun. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe that's what I have to do watching these movies is just be him through the entire thing of like, hey, why don't you just do this? <laughs> but I guess I can't also because time travel hurts my head. Um, <laughs> yeah, poor me. Uh, yeah, I loved in the water scene those weird like underwater crocodile robots. Uh-huh. I would not have expected water robots. And I was so excited when I saw them. Uh-huh. Water robots are good. Lava fire robots are weird. Cheesy. Yeah, I was just, I seriously, there was, I was having like a love and hate moment with that scene, actually, because like John shoots the thing and the lava spills all over him or whatever it is. And then, not him, it, the, the robot and then it comes out of the lava and blah 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 my favorite part of that I mean it was ridiculous but my favorite part of it was like I was so proud of John because throughout the movie so far they have like thought they've killed the bad guy and then sat there like oh yay we've defeated it and then it comes back you know and I was so glad I'm like you know you know better I am so happy that you like reach for your gun and you are prepared because you know this motherfucker is not done and it was it made me really stupidly happy because I like things like that piss me off I'm like come on you know better you have to know better and you don't because you know I know better because I'm watching a movie so duh but um it I don't know that that part made me happy but yes the lava monster was not cool <laughs> well I think the lava monster happened 
because I don't know if you know this, but Arnold Schwarzenegger was really busy being a politician at the time that this movie was filmed. <laughs> I didn't know. So and he was not actually should, in it. Yeah, I, I really should have known, though. He, he was the governor of the state in which I live. Oh. Or the governator. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> now, they got his permission to use his likeness, but CGI Arnold Schwarzenegger was probably very expensive in the scenes they had him in. Mm-hmm. So they needed to make his face and skin melt off as fucking quickly as possible so they didn't have to keep paying to make <laughs> it look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that makes sense. But I don't think Arnold needed to be a Terminator in this movie at all. No. I don't think that this franchise needs John Connor in a movie to make that movie good. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this franchise needs Arnold Schwarzenegger in a movie to make that movie good. I think you can have a good Terminator movie that is about a different character that is with a different Terminator and it can still work as a movie in the Terminator franchise. Yeah. Well, also, we've had multiple people playing John Connor in the different times and Kyle Reese. We didn't need it to look like um, Arnold to be, like, to, for it to make sense or to mean anything or to be good or anything like that. So that, especially the fact that it's a Terminator, it is a robot, why does it have to look like Arnold, especially if he's not the same model. Yeah, and I would have had no problems at all with it just being the metal chassis. Yeah. Because they were in the factory. Mm -hmm. It could have easily just been the metal thing from the beginning, and I would have been perfectly happy. Yeah. But... Arnold Schwarzenegger's face is to this movie what John Connor's name is to this franchise. You that's, know? that's true, yeah. I feel like they thought they couldn't do one without him because he, he's the catchphrase of this franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel and, like people would have been upset if he wasn't at least slightly part of it. No. Speaking of the catchphrases, though, the come with me if you want to live was perfect <laughs> but there the was, i'll be back was cringy as fucking yeah there. like yeah. just because you have multiple catchphrases doesn't mean you have to use all of them if it doesn't fit yeah i also really loved what was it um marcus says um something about like don't like aim your gun at someone if you're not willing to pull the trigger to kyle i think mm-hmm. And then Kyle tries to say it to others, and it's just like, but but no, though. But no, no he's though. absolutely willing to shoot you. <laughs> yeah, like, you have to know when to say that, buddy. I don't think you understand. <laughs> it was cute. That, it was so cute, but it was so dumb. It was, but that scene in the store was really great, too, mm-hmm. because you really get to see the people versus people aspect of the future. Yeah. Because realistically... When there's a crisis, people don't immediately band together and start hugging. They loot, they steal, they buy guns. Yeah. So while the old woman there was one like incredibly and wonderfully willing to help them, especially mm. when she saw there were children, the mm. other people there were just like, no, these are our resources, that's our food, and you being here is a danger to all of us. Which yeah. is true. <laughs> yep, yep. 
Well, yeah, like you have to protect your own before you worry about others. And that's true kind of always, you know, even without the insanity of what was happening in this movie. Well, yeah, but it's hard to think of a future like that because realistically, you're not going to be fighting the machines. You're going to be fighting your neighbor. Yeah. Because people are not generous when they're scared. Try to go buy toilet paper right now, I dare you. Somebody has 15 packs of it (laughs) and they won't give you a damn roll. Yeah, you know, it's funny because all of these, like, end-of-the-world kind of movies are being aired a lot right now, too, these types of movies. Um, And I'm just like, you're not helping the situation any. You're just freaking everybody out. Because, yeah, humankind is very quickly going to turn against each other in any crisis. Well, hopefully we won't get there. No. Hopefully Arnold doesn't, you know, come out and say... One of his silly catchphrases. Though if he does, I really hope it's, well, what does he say? Hasta la vista. First of all, because that would mean he's leaving. And secondly, because I don't know. I like that one. No, but luckily, he'd be saying hasta la vista to the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> he's the cure. We figured it out. Um, uh, I have to go back and talk about um, a couple of things. And one of them is a callback to the second movie. And it also includes a character that I do want to talk about. Um, they had that scene where they're in the car and the little kid star, she's in the back seat handling the weapons basically and like passing it to them. Um, and that was a callback to the second movie where it was John doing that for Sarah and uh, Kyle. Or was it Uncle Bob? Yeah, Uncle Bob. It wasn't Kyle. Wow, I've mixed up my movies already. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was, uh, he was doing that and now Star was. And then also Star... I think it was one of those weird things where I'm not sure that she was absolutely necessary for the film, which is a horrible thing to say about a child. Um, But I don't think she was. I don't think anything was really all that different, at least not that I can remember or would have been all that different if she wasn't in it. But I was really glad that she was, not only because he gave us a little bit more about Kyle and how much he cared about this kid and was like, taking care of her and obviously like loved her and she was like his little sister basically um and then also Marcus because Marcus protected that little girl to anybody um but like I don't think she was it would have been any different if she wasn't in it but I loved her so much I think the actress did a really good job and she kind of brought a little more humanity to the movie because we were surrounded by war and robots (laughs) I will say, I think what she brought to the movie, besides her being the button presser child (laughs) trope, was that she kind of, she brought out the humanity in a lot of people, not just Marcus, but the people in that uh, gas station. Mm, Right. They didn't give them food because there was an older teenage boy and a mean robot there with guns they gave him food because there was a little girl there yeah absolutely and her being there allowed people to be a little kinder yeah and I think this movie needed that and maybe it's just a preference thing but because it was so heavy with the war and like it was so dark and all of that and I mean the first two movies I was talking about how they were very 
like horror style movies so they were already dark but this one felt even darker and I think that is just a preference thing like based on the way it felt like more of a war than anything else um but I think this one needed the lightness that star added but also the humor that we saw throughout even though there wasn't like a whole lot of it but it was still there I feel like because the humor in the past too we were seeing a lot from Terminator and you couldn't have that kind of humor in this one because he wasn't there (laughs) but I'm glad that they added like Marcus and Kyle's relationship to it to at least bring that humor out they did and those two were particularly great together Mm -hmm. and I know they didn't have the T-101 at least as we're used to seeing it but I think this movie really did get back to certain things that Terminator brand was known for, mm-hmm. even if it was more of a war movie than a monster chase. Mm-hmm. Like the question of whether someone's humanity is more important than what they might do to you in the future. Yeah. Especially the way John comes around on it so much that he risks his own life and safety to try and revive Marcus even though he thought he was a machine yeah and see that kind of thing I enjoy how they built it and I think I think they did a lot right with the relationships in this movie and that is why I enjoyed it as much as I did even though some of it was just like why did you get this so wrong you know um I also, by the way, really loved that Serena, the cancer lady, horrible, horrible to call her that, but I love that she was played by Helena Bonham Carter, and this was A, the least her character I've seen her play, and B, she didn't feel like this big star in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like here we've thrown in this woman that you've seen in you know big roles in other movies and you know her well as these specific other types of characters that we see her playing and now here's her as this other character in this already developed franchise of movies but she was just this kind of like side character basically I think so different I think Helena Bonham Carter is one of the most overrated actresses that has ever been (laughs) yeah I know That doesn't mean I don't think she can act. It means I think people think she's so much better than she is because she's so quirky and I'm quirky too. (laughs) Well, and see, I think that's the thing though is like, and I love Helena Bonham Carter because I love a lot of the movies that I've seen her in. However, she does play, I mean, I've seen parts of Fight Club, so maybe not exactly, but she does play similar types of characters in a lot of the movies, and I'm not saying Fight Club is one of them, but um, she wasn't like that in this movie, and I liked that. I liked that they didn't let her be like her other characters, because it wouldn't make sense in this role. And I like that Johnny Depp wasn't in this movie. (laughs) I was surprised. I was like, huh, Helena Bonham Carter's here, but Johnny Depp isn't? weird and the world hasn't ended kind of (laughs) um yeah but I I I was surprised to see her and I was confused about her character at the beginning I was like I don't trust you I don't believe you I don't know what you're up to but I feel like you're up to something I do like that she really wasn't she just is a person who died of cancer yeah that was not her at the end that was the robot saying, 
oh, I thought that this would make you feel more comfortable, but I can look like anybody you want when I'm telling you that I'm uh, you for evil. Yeah, and that was so creepy. It was. Yeah. And I like that she wasn't either. It's just immediately I was like, there's something here. We're going to see this person again. And I, I don't trust her. Well, if we weren't going to see her ever again, she probably wouldn't have been Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. Uh, yeah, but see, even that, even her character, even as a side character, who, again, was just a woman who was battling cancer and, like, trying to kind of, like, do her part with that, um, she was even interesting, you know? Like, she wasn't a big character, and yet I was still intrigued by her, and I wanted to know what the hell her story was, what she was up to. Yeah. And well, it was her story good- was she died of cancer probably like <laughs> two weeks after yeah and I think that was a good like th- like they tricked me with it basically you know they made me go oh she's gonna be evil clearly what is she up to she's going to come back someday and she's going to be like in charge of things and like evil and all that and I think I don't know I think they did a good job with that because they did it in a way where there wasn't really much of a reason to believe it but I was sold on it. And then I was wrong, kind of. <laughs> yeah. I'm used to being wrong. That's okay. They're so good at it. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I think this movie erased the thing from Terminator 3 that worked the least. Okay. At the end of Terminator 3, basically they decide that fate is fate and fate can't be changed. And no matter what, something is inevitable that it will happen. Mm-hmm. This movie goes back to the idea that there's no such thing as fate, nothing is set in stone, and everything can be changed. Like, even the hybrid Terminator can pull the own ship out of the back of his head. Yeah. And completely change his destiny and get that second chance. Yeah. And that, the idea that your fellow man isn't expendable, those are the core things of the Terminator franchise in my opinion those are the things that are the heart of these movies like what sets us apart from the machines yeah and this movie got back to that and I think it was the best course correct that they could have done yeah Uh, even um Kyle says something I don't have the exact quote or anything but he says something like that about how um the something about how what sets them apart uh, for like being human versus the machine and I think I think you were right in what you said with Blair too where she was like this is a person we can't just kill him um with Marcus um and I feel like maybe if I had like instead of just judging her as one character because I wanted her to be <laughs> such a bigger character if I had thought of her as like she is just kind of saying what this whole movie wants us to believe here or like go back to um then I wouldn't have been as upset at her decision but again I just wanted more from her <laughs> well I think that we're not talking directly specifically about her we did that mm. but John wasn't sure whether to believe that this person was a machine or a man mm. And he had people on either side. He had Blair saying, no, this is a man. I know his heart. And then he had his lieutenant on the other side saying, that's a fucking machine. Right. Kill it. It's going to kill us. That's what it's here for. 
so it really sold the question and the entire movie was the question yeah yeah and I think that's definitely what makes the movies as interesting as they are like yeah Yeah. there's action and there's all this other stuff happening throughout obviously but it's and like some of the characters are really great and you want to know more about them but it is about the humanity yeah I will say that I think the heart symbolism gets a little clunky the more times they come back to it like they do the heart but then they make it seem like it's the physical beating Mm -hmm. heart and Mm -hmm. not the metaphorical who you are heart Mm -hmm. so Marcus in the end after John gets impaled (laughs) saving his life physically gives him his (laughs) beating heart to save his life yeah yeah, they might have taken that a little too far, but... Now, I will tell you this, because, spoiler, Marcus does not come back ever. So they have a series of Terminator comics. Read them if you want. Um, because he's a cyborg that can grow back his own skin, he grows back his heart, crawls out of the ground, and comes <laughs> back to work with them again. Oh, no! I'm so glad at least they didn't put that in the movie. <laughs> Yep. That a little cheesy. Yeah, just a touch. <laughs> there was also... I, mm-hmm. I've always thought that this franchise didn't have enough of people clawing their way out of their own graves. <laughs> um, it's not a zombie movie? Maybe that's why? <laughs> uh, as much as I love him, I don't want him to come back like that as much as I'm sad that he isn't going to come back. I'm just glad that they didn't ruin it by making it so cheesy. No. And it was a little cheesy, but not that cheesy. Yeah. And they did give you the moment of Kyle Reese and John Connor meeting at the end and Reese just being like, Oh my God, you're John Connor. (laughs) I heard you on the radio. You're famous. Yeah, it was so cute. It was. He was completely starstruck. <laughs> and he earned the jacket. I mean, you figure he couldn't keep it because it was John's jacket and John's not dead anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, maybe he'll let him have it. Maybe. Let the kid to keep the jacket. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I just love the continued like connection between John and Kyle. And am curious about future John and Kyle if that happens. And I think that's, I think up to this one even, I was really looking forward to seeing if there was going to be anything and what it was going to be like because it's such a weird thing to be like, you're my father. <laughs> you're a teenage boy. You are going to have sex with my mom and in the <laughs> 80s and you're going to make me. Hi, Daddy. Like, I really wanted there to be a parody version of this movie where when he sees him, you know how he's, like, going around John is and he's asking a bunch of the random people, like, are you Kyle Reese? Are you Kyle Reese? And then none of them are. When he finally sees Kyle, instead of saying, what's your name, what I really wanted was for him to be like, Daddy? But obviously. (laughs) No, you know that cartoon where it's like, are you my mommy? Yes. Yep, that's what it should have been. Somebody make a parody, if you haven't already, of him just walking around going, are you my father? 
No. Yeah. That will forever be the most confusing part of it to me. I think, like, all of the other time travel stuff, I kind of have a handle on a little bit. But the the relationship between John and Kyle and, like, Kyle and Sarah and I I can't. Now, that'll make sense to me. But because of the creation of Marcus, the future changed. The original Kyle Reese met John Connor and was sent back in around 2029. This movie took place in 2018, and they met then. Hmm. So the backstory of Kyle Reese has already changed in a way where you have to wonder, is this Kyle Reese the same Kyle Reese who falls (laughs) for Sarah and wants to make a baby in her? Wants to, or just was like, well, I mean, the world kind of depends on it. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, he didn't even know so more accurately. That's true. <laughs> well, I think the moral of this story is um, wear a condom unless you're going to create John Connor. This is the only. No, I'm just kidding. Have babies. If you want to have babies, don't listen to me. <laughs> uh, thanks for the permission. <laughs> Not you, damn it. <laughs> I was talking to everybody else. Um, Do you have anything else? Or is it time for your final rating? Uh, no, I am ready for my final rating. And I am really curious to know what you gave it. Because I gave it a 78%. So far of these movies, especially with The Disaster of Three, this was the one I went, yeah, I could watch this again. I want to watch this again. I look forward to watching this again. And even though some of it was just really frustrating and some of it was a little cheesy. And of course, as always, some of it was really confusing. Um, There was enough in there with the characters and the like relationships between them and whatnot that made me like it enough to look forward to seeing it again. And I feel like watching it a second time will be helpful in my understanding of some of this stuff. Oh, I hope so. Me too. Now, I gave it a 94. Wow, that's high. Yeah, I don't like war movies in general, but I feel like this was more cerebral than a war movie, and I legitimately love it. Mm. I think it added something new to the Terminator story, by not being solely and even mostly about John Connor. Yeah. And I I feel like it posed a lot of questions and I was satisfied with the answers. Mm. And I think that it should have done something for the franchise to prove that they didn't need John Connor front and center and they didn't need a big bad Terminator to chase them around. Because it's telling a different story, but yeah. I think that story still works in universe. Yeah, it's interesting that they were able to pull that off. Well, according to Rotten Tomatoes, they did. <laughs> they did. So. You're right. <laughs> so, yeah, see, I, see why I was so surprised because of my rating. All I gotta say is that if Terminators five and six are shitty. It's all y'all's fault because you (laughs) didn't watch four. You didn't love four. Do you know how many stories you could have had? But no. (laughs) Speaking of which, though, 
next week we will be back to our regularly scheduled episode but in two weeks you can come back for our series with terminator genesis from 2015 starring jason clark and amelia clark no relation (laughs) well in the meantime you guys can also check us out on social media we are on instagram at millennials at the movies twitter millennials atm and my personal twitter is ami that's a-m-i underscore movies and mine is cantaloupe underscore eyes like the fruit we'll see you guys next time bye